Hello and welcome to the Clifford Chance Lab Chat series podcast, where our experts discuss legal innovation developments and trends faced by lawyers and the business world today. My name is Joanne Chuang and I'm the Legal Innovation Lead at Create Plus 65 at Clifford Chance and I will be your host for today. Create Plus 65 is our first global innovation lab, a strategic space that unites our lawyers, our clients and a wider legal community to discover the future of legal services through research, education and collaboration. During our lab chat episodes, we invite industry-leading speakers to discuss trending developments, interesting conversations and engaging topics around legal innovation and technology in the Asia-Pacific region and beyond. In today's episode, we will hear about the ambition of the Singapore Academy of Law in the legal innovation space and how the Singapore Academy of Law, in short SAL, continues to drive legal innovation to sharpen and maintain Singapore's edge as the legal services hub in the Asia-Pacific region. I'm joined by Paul New, Chief Operating Officer and Chief Financial Officer of the Singapore Academy of Law. Welcome, Paul. It's great to have you here with us today. Please tell us a little bit more about the Singapore Academy of Law and its role in the legal technology and innovation ecosystem in Singapore. Thanks, Joanna. Pleasure to be here on uh, the Clever Chance podcast. Clever Chance has always been a supporter of the Academy and its initiative, especially in the legal technology and innovation space. So it's a real pleasure here. So about the Singapore Academy of Law, in brief, we are an industry development and promotion agency for the Singapore legal sector. Our remit spans legal education, legal publishing, alternative dispute resolution, of course, legal technology and innovation, legal research, and we also run a few statutory services in Singapore. For example, we operate the National Wills Registry in Singapore. We also perform legalization of documents and the appointments of commissioners for oaths and notaries public. So uh, in brief, that's basically what the Academy does. We're an organization with four subsidiaries, one of which is the legal technology subsidiary, which is called Lawnet Technology Services. It is through this new subsidiary that we will be basically developing a lot of legal technology solutions to offer to the industry going forwards. Thank you, Paul. Based on what you've just said, SAL's role is indeed wide-ranging and I can see how it plays an important role as a driving force for change in the legal sector. The role of LawNet Technology Services, which you spoke about, which is focused on the development of legal tech solutions for the industry, will definitely be key as the industry embraces legal technology and digitization. And just on this topic, I would like to hear from you about the legal technology vision in short, the LTV. This was launched in 2017 and was supposed to be a five-year roadmap to help the legal industry leverage technology to enhance their legal practice. Can you please tell us a little bit more about the LTV and its impact on lawyers? Sure. So let me begin with the, the genesis or the impetus behind the legal technology vision. Back in 2016, 2017, Singapore as an open economy was already witnessing digital disruption to various sectors, for example, in retail, in transportation, of course, in finance as well. And we knew that the legal services industry would not be immune to disruption uh, by new technologies. The problem, of course, at the time is that our members of the legal community, we felt were not sufficiently alive to not only the threats of digital disruption, 
but also the opportunities that digitalization would bring about. And so the legal technology vision was conceptualized to not only make our industry or to help our industry be more aware of what exactly is digitalization and the impact of digitalization on the business of law and how legal services can leverage technology to be more, not only more efficient in terms of delivering legal services to the end consumer, but also to grow the pie for everyone. And in a nutshell, we felt that in order to do that, we had to innovate. So it wasn't, uh, although the name of the roadmap was called the Legal Technology Vision, it's not only about technology. A key part of it is about innovation. And we wanted to make sure that innovation would come first, as in it's necessary to innovate, reinvent business models and processes, and then layer on the technology to automate those new businesses and processes. And this was something that we felt had to be done in terms of the education to uh, the practicing community as well as to the in-house counsel community who are all members of the academy. The other objective of the legal technology vision was to seed a legal tech ecosystem in Singapore. So there were already a handful of budgeting uh, nascent legal tech startups in Singapore at that time. However, they were not very well supported by national institutions at that point. And we felt that instead of leaving them to struggle on their own and everything was done piecemeal and in silo, it was necessary to try and uh, bring together this community where you know you have strength in numbers, right? And we could see how at, at the national level to support and to groom our legal tech startups and also to make Singapore an attractive destination for overseas legal tech startups to perhaps come here and scale their business. So those were the uh, original objectives of the legal technology vision. It was all articulated in a very nice white paper, a roadmap. Mm -hmm. But as mentioned earlier, having a roadmap is not enough, right? So you have to find ways to give it legs to make sure that you can execute upon the initiatives that are articulated within the white paper or the roadmap. And so as part of the legal technology vision, we created a vehicle or a platform for execution, which we called the Future Law Innovation Program. Under FLIP, we organized the activities that were recommended in the LTV paper, such as organizing hackathons, creating a legal technology accelerator to help the startups scale, organizing networking events, organizing training and education uh, seminars to just introduce new technologies such as blockchain, what is uh, crypto, for example, things like that, artificial intelligence, to the broader practicing community and, and just to the legal community in general, to demystify some of these things. And also, uh, as mentioned earlier, we wanted to make sure that the platform not only makes people alive to the issues of technology, the challenges and the opportunities, but to provide hand-holding support in terms of how do I then engage with these technologies? What does it mean for my business? How can I transform my existing business processes, revenue model, for example, to take advantage of these technologies? 
And that was what FLIP was all about. These are some great objectives you have laid out. You spoke about seeding the legal technology ecosystem, and those were the early days of the LTV. What is it today, and is it what you envisioned when the LTV came about five years ago? Well, I would say we achieved the objective of creating awareness of what exactly is legal technology. Of course, it's still open to debate because there is no one single definition. Many things can be classed as legal technology from regulations, tech, compliance, tech, etc. But at least now, people are beginning to become more aware. When you say legal technology, you don't get that lost look. Right? It's like fintech. And also, I think there is now a much greater interest in exploring legal technology, a greater appetite to experiment with legal technology. We do see that there is now, especially amongst our law students, greater awareness about alternatives, say, in, 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 a, in a legal career, that they could become legal technologists, if not entrepreneurs in the legal technology space. And that's a healthy development, which platforms like Flip, I think, played a, a role in creating that awareness and, and promoting the, the ecosystem. Things are also a lot more organized, I feel, because the mechanisms, the framework for supporting the legal technology ecosystem is a lot more mature today. We have the involvement of major government agencies and ministries in Singapore that now would dedicate resources and bandwidth to supporting the legal tech ecosystem where it may not have you know, existed back in 2016. So I think these are some of the positive outcomes of both the legal technology vision and the Future Law Innovation Programme. Sounds like a lot has really transformed since 2017. There's still a lot of work to be done. Yeah, yeah but I think we're headed in the right direction, you know, based on where we were five years ago. So what is in the horizon for SAL to continue to serve as a knowledge hub for the legal community in Singapore? As mentioned earlier for the Academy, we've always actually been involved together with the courts in legal technology, although it may not have been known as such back then. And by back then, I mean 20, 25 years ago. Not many people may know this, but the Academy was the creator, together with the courts, of Singapore's first online legal research platform, which today still exists. It's called LawNet. And at that time, it was really the early days of uh, the internet and getting lawyers to do re legal research on an That's online right. platform had, of course, its challenges. Uh, the courts were also very early adopters and early advocates of legal technology because they pushed for electronic filing, court submissions, and so on. The industry at that time probably wasn't so ready, but the role of the academy in helping uh, the industry adopt these new platforms and technologies in the early 2000s is something that is continued even today. So we've been involved in, in the legal tech space for a very long time. But going forwards, what we want to do is to take the, the things that we have done to the next level. For example, moving LawNet beyond just an online legal research platform into a platform for other forms of uh, legal technology and legal tech services to be made available to the industry. And not only the industry within Singapore, but the, the legal industry in this region 
and perhaps in greater Asia as well. So this is something that the Academy is investing resources in. As mentioned earlier, we have launched a new startup, LawNet Technology Services, and this new subsidiary will be looking after our LawNet platform, developing the LawNet platform to become something that's beyond a platform for legal research into one that's for all legal services. In the area of statutory services that uh, the Singapore Academy of Law has been uh, looking after as well, for example, in the Wills uh, Registry, uh, we are also looking to help transform and digitalize probate services, for example, by creating a new repository for wills or for the hashes of wills, if not the actual document itself. We are involved in working groups to look at legalizing electronic wills, for example, or the potential for doing so. In other statutory services, for example, conveyancing, we are involved in looking at how do we digitalize conveyancing in Singapore. Conveyancing is a very, very old process that's still pretty much manual today uh, because the laws and the statutes under the Civil Law Act still require things like wet ink signatures for the transfer of real estate, right? That's right. So we are involved in looking at all of these areas because these are practices that already have uh, or can benefit from existing technology. Digital secure signing technologies have been in existence for a long time. Of course, secure video conferencing has also been in existence for a long time. So it's a case of how can the Academy of Law in the provision of some of these statutory services bring these existing and mature technologies together in a nice package that can be utilized by our legal professionals, by our lawyers, to provide those legal services to the end consumer and to create you know, not only greater convenience, but to try and bring down the cost of some of these statutory services. So I've mentioned digital conveyancing, I've men mentioned um, you know, potential for uh, digital probate services. The other area is, of course, uh, the legalization of documents. So as the National Competent Authority, for Singapore in terms of, say, the Apostate Convention. We are also looking at ways to issue no, not just paper-based apostates, but electronic apostates, uh, and to make the entire legalization process virtual end-to-end. -end. So a person who requires, a member of the public who requires a document to be legalized does not have to leave his home. He can do everything from the comfort of his computer at home. The whole thing can be uh, completed end-to-end -end in a digital space. That's a long list of digital and virtual services that's coming our way to really transform our legal industry. And digital innovation is really driving change in the legal sector. What I've seen in the recent LinkedIn platform data dated June 2022 is the proportion of professionals in Singapore's legal industry who actually possess digital skills is below both the professional services industry and the median across other industries in the country. So my question to you is, how important is talent development in the legal innovation space? <laughs> this is extremely important. You've kind of hit the nail on the head because even as uh, agencies like the Singapore Academy of Law, our Ministry of Law and other you know, public sector stakeholders are trying to push and to promote adoption of technology, the obstacle, the hurdle often is that the individual professionals I'm talking here about you know, practitioners, they may not be equipped with the skill sets to fully leverage available technologies to know how to make the best use out of 
digital tools that the government here in Singapore heavily subsidizes. So helping them to scale up in terms of their digital proficiencies uh, is a very, very important part of the overall strategy to drive uh, and to grow uh, legal tech and legal innovation uh, in Singapore. I would say that increasingly, we are seeing you know, more digital natives entering uh, legal practice because the new generation of law graduates, uh, they go through law school, probably you know, reading notes off their laptops and their iPads, and they're very comfortable with, with using document assembly software, performing legal research online. So for them, it's often a culture shock when they graduate from law school, having access to all of these legal technologies, and they go into perhaps a small law firm after graduation, and they find like they're transported back to <laughs> the Stone Ages. Uh, yeah, so uh, we, we do have to help our small law firms, perhaps the senior lawyers in the small law firms, adopt the right mindset in regards to legal technology, that it's not scary, it's not threatening, it's not unsafe, so that the newer lawyers who join their practices will not be, you know, in a sense, discouraged or surprised when they eventually start their professional careers. We also, apart from just equipping our people with the digital skills, we need to help them, as mentioned earlier, develop the right mindset about innovation because the potential of technology can only be fully unlocked if you've also begun to think about its impact on your business model. Well, law is a business. So helping our law firms to identify opportunities to grow the pie for themselves. How can they monetize internal capabilities or internal capabilities that already exist in their law firms, but they haven't yet identified ways to you know, unlock their, their commercial potential. For example, many small law firms have very rich precedent databases right, from all the cases that they have done in the past, all the submissions that they have made. How can that be leveraged to help them in terms of creating submissions faster, perhaps in a sense, create automatic templates and perhaps even offer some of these templates to in-house counsel to utilize? So I, I believe that there is a lot of potential that remains to be unlocked from within the, the legal community, but it takes an understanding of what consumers' needs are. It takes an understanding of what your own internal capabilities are and where are the gaps that you will need to close. Uh, and this is part of the training that we, we want to be able to do. So it's not just upskilling them in digital skills, but upskilling them in business skills, innovation management skills as well, because innovation is a process. So you do need to learn some of that, perhaps design thinking and so forth. You mentioned about law firms embracing technology to change and progress. Do you think that graduates who are coming out from law schools are prepared to be lawyers of the future? You did mention that they have touched on technology during their law school days, but are they actually prepared with what they've studied at university? Does the curriculum actually make them lawyers of the future who will seamlessly replace this current generation? I think our local law schools here in Singapore, we have three. They have been very quick to incorporate 
legal technology into their curriculum as well as to teach their students about the opportunities in legal technology and so on. Of course, more can always be done. But because this is really something that is constantly developing, it's, it's something that's in flux. The Singapore Management University has a master's in law and technology, for example. Offerings like that are now becoming more commonplace. I think all of our three local law schools do already incorporate legal technology or aspects of legal technology in the way that they teach their courses. I'm not sure whether legal technology in itself is a topic that is taught in the law schools. I'm not even sure whether that is the right way to do it, that legal technology can be a standalone topic. But certainly, I think uh, law schools do provide ample opportunity for their students to be exposed to legal technology today. Thank you, Paul. I'm just going to digress slightly now. So we're both here today at the Marina Bay Sands in Singapore to attend the 2022 Tech Law Fest, which is one of the most important events in Singapore for the past five years. I find that Tech Law Fest has brought together lawyers and legal technology experts to group together and discuss the tech of law and the law of tech. Can you tell us a little bit more about this year's theme and how relevant it is to our industry? Well, this year's theme is about the metaverse. (laughs) I think for people of my generation, it conjures images of uh, virtual reality, right? Games like Second Life. (laughs) I think this is definitely an exciting area where there are many, many uh, legal issues that no one really knows what the, the, the answers to, right? Uh, what happens if a crime is committed in a metaverse? Is that really a crime that can be prosecuted in the real world? What about ownership of assets that are traded in the metaverse, etc., etc.? So it's a very interesting topic. I think it's relevant because increasingly a lot of companies are, are looking at the metaverse. Facebook has just recently changed its name to Meta, for example. Like Introducing what is legal technology, you know, five years ago, we are trying to introduce what is the metaverse to the legal industry and to legal practitioners, right? Demystify what this is because it could mean different things to different people, much like blockchain, (laughs) uh, artificial intelligence. And again, it's about creating awareness of opportunities. And I think people right now are just trying to... uh, I had this conversation earlier with someone who was sitting at my table, one of the main sponsors for for this year's Tech Law Fest. The gimmicky side of, if I can use that term, what the metaverse is, is the impression is there as a gimmick because I think not many tangible applications have yet been found right, for transactions on, on metaverse, for example. So until there's a greater awareness of the practical applications, tangible economic outcomes of what the metaverse can represent, people will probably just adopt more of a, oh, this is interesting kind of an attitude towards the whole thing. And virtual reality, it looks very fun, but beyond fun, what exactly does it mean for my practice? These are all questions that we hope attendees of Tech Law Fest uh, will ask themselves beyond just engaging with all the VR devices and and everything. I agree with you, Paul, that technology and transformation can mean different things to different people. And I do believe that having a place or an event such as Tech Law Fest to unite people and these conversations is key for an industry that's going through transformation so rapidly. 
I personally really enjoyed Tech Law Fest and I do feel that this year's theme gave everyone an opportunity to address the elephant in the room, which is both the metaverse as well as innovation and tech. My next question is, how has Tech Law Fest impacted the legal technology and innovation space in Singapore? Since its first event in 2018, I think Tech Law Fest has established itself as one of the premier law and technology events in Southeast Asia, if not in Asia. This year, we've had delegates from over 100 nationalities or countries attending, both in person as well as online in the metaverse. I think this is something that was one of the objectives of the legal technology vision to establish Singapore as a hub for not just the growth and development of legal technology, but for conversations, for thought leadership in this space, legal technology and innovation to take place. And TechLawFest has been a fantastic agent in helping us achieve this objective. TechLawFest has played an important role in transforming our industry. And I believe that under the Singapore Academy of Law, Tech Law Fest will continue to be relevant to trigger and drive change in Singapore and the Asia Pacific region. And legal technology and innovation, as we all know, will continue to disrupt the legal industry. We have spoken about law schools in Singapore and how they're starting to equip our graduates with the right skill set both in law and in technology, in order for them to be ready for the future, be it as a lawyer or a legal technologist or any other career pathways. Paul, I've learned a lot from you today and I can see your experience and passion in transforming the way our lawyers work. For the benefit of our audience, what are your top three tips for graduates and lawyers to be future ready? (laughs) Well, the, the first thing is to keep an open mind about technology, right? Technology, as we all know, changes very fast. In fact, the, the only constant is change, as we always, always said. Embrace the opportunities. Be aware of the threats, but certainly embrace the opportunities. And basically, technology requires all of us to invest in continuous learning and education because it develops so quickly. Whatever you know about you know, various aspects of technology will probably be obsolete in three, maybe four years, right? Uh, I'm an engineer by training and uh, I I studied coding back in my undergraduate days, but the language that I had studied coding in no longer (laughs) exists or is used. (laughs) So that's that's a a, a very basic example, but technology, the, the pace of change and pace of development is accelerating all the time. So uh, it's a very, very interesting space to not only watch, but I'll encourage everyone, not just the law graduates, but everyone that don't just watch the space, find ways to get involved, find ways to just experiment, of course, in a risk-free way that, uh, you know, platforms like Tech Law Fest, like Flip, the Future Law Innovation Program will offer and, and support you. At the center of it all is just innovation and the and the appetite to take considered risks. So I think that, 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 that would be my, my take on how I would approach the interesting developments in this space. But it's very exciting and it has huge opportunities for anyone who will invest the time. Indeed, I agree with you, Paul, that everyone should be aware of the conversations around legal tech and innovation and continuously invest in learning and upskilling themselves. 
I've really learned a lot about the work that SAL has put in, and it sounds like there's even more in the horizon, especially from a legal tech and innovation perspective. Thanks again, Paul, for joining me today. It's been a really great conversation. In the next episode of the Clifford Chance Lab Chat series, we will be speaking with Professor Jeroso from the Singapore Management University, Yongpang Hao School of Law, who will share with us why innovation is a driver and how universities are preparing graduates for the future. If you'd like to discuss today's topic, please get in touch with me or a member of the Clifford Chance Innovation and Best Delivery team. You have all been listening to the Clifford Chance podcast. Please subscribe and listen to our podcast on the Clifford Chance website, Apple Podcasts and Spotify.